here to deliver the last message of the year. Can we welcome Pastor Matt, our associate pastor? Pastor Matt, come on up. Knock it out the park for us. Thank you, Pastor Roland. Can we give it up for our lead pastor real quick? Appreciate you, man, and everything you've done in 2022, throughout all the years, but we're about to end this one, so 2022, right? Thank you guys for joining us. Welcome to Every Nation Church, Las Vegas. Like Pastor Roland said, my name is Matt. I'm the associate pastor. I'm sitting on a stool because I've got something going on with my right foot. Uh, so pretty severe plantar fasciitis, compensating with it on my ankle. So I'm just going to chill out here. I might get excited at some point and walk around. If you're wondering why I'm sitting down, that's why I'm sitting down. And so we can be together and be united as we turn over into the new year. We cross over into 2023, if you will. Um, I was just thinking about how it is the new year. Happy New Year, by the way, a couple days early. Uh, happy birthday to my mom and happy new year. But yeah, the, the way I've celebrated the new year and look forward to celebrating the new year, that's, that's changed over the years. And I have a feeling I'm not the only one. But when I was a kid, I really looked forward to playing with fireworks. It's lots of fire and smoke and light. And then I kind of grew out of that, and there was a phase in my life where I was a little bit distant from God, if you know what I'm saying. And I decided that the best way to celebrate the new year would be to party so hard that I forgot everything that I did. And then spend the first day of the new year completely miserable. Now, I thank God that I realized there are better ways to do that. So grew up got married, got with a family, and now I look forward to sleeping all the way through midnight. It's probably the best way to do it that I've experienced so far. The way that I've celebrated the new year changes, but one thing that hasn't changed is how I want to enter the new year. Isn't it true that we want to start every year well? Don't we want to cross over into 2023 well? We want to our transitions to be successful, and not just from year to year, although that's what we might be thinking about right now, but we want to transition well in every phase, in every season of our life. When we transition into a new job, when we start in a new school, when there's a new opportunity, when there's a new possibility, we want to do those things well. How do we transition well without our cell phone tumbling out of the jacket pocket that you're wearing? I don't know. I just did it. No, that's what we're talking about tonight. How do we transition well? What do we need to do before crossing over. That's the title of our sermon tonight, Before Crossing Over. And before crossing in to the Word of God, let's pray together. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness throughout 2022. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to walk with us as we enter into the next year. Lord, teach us how you want us to enter into the next year so that we can be successful by your standards. Show us what we need to do. And help us to inherit everything you have waiting for us on the other side as we look ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're talking about transitions tonight. And when we think about transitions, we often look forward to transitions with excitement. About half of them, there are some transitions that aren't exciting. Although a lot of what we're going to be talking about tonight does apply to those things too. However, New Year mostly exciting, so we're going to take that tone with the message, and because the main people that we're looking at in the Bible today were probably excited in the transition that we're going to look at in Scripture. So today we're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the last of the first five books of the Bible. Um, it's part of the Torah, written by Moses, and the book of Deuteronomy is composed of three different sermons. 
that Moses gave the people of Israel as they're standing right at the edge of something that they referred to as the promised land. Now, God had spoken to their ancestors several hundred years before, and he had promised to give them this place where they'd be able to experience God's goodness, experience all of God's blessing. And because they're experiencing God's goodness and blessing and doing it his way, they would be kind of a display nation, kind of a trophy, and showing God's glory to the entire world. So as we start looking in the Bible tonight, we look at the book of Deuteronomy. Let's set the stage uh, with Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what it says. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them and to their offspring after them. So as we read this passage today, it's a little hard for us to get a sense of exactly what that moment felt like for them. But this promise was six or seven hundred years. All that time had passed when God first called Abram, who was not Abraham yet, spoke to him in a foreign land and said, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to know you. I'm going to give you a promise. Your descendants will know me. They'll multiply like the sand on the seashore. And they're going to live in this land that I call them to. And the years went by. His descendants were in slavery in Egypt. God brought them out. And here they stand at the edge of the promised land. Hundreds of years had passed. And all that time, the descendants of Abraham are looking forward to that promise that God made to their ancestor. And here they are about to cross over into it, about to transition into it, looking ahead at all the promise, all the potential, all the possibilities. And I think that's why we get excited about the transitions we look at in our lives. When there is a new year, when there is a new season, we think about those very same things. We think about the opportunity, we think about the potential, we think about the possibilities, and we get excited too. Who's excited for the new year, by the way? Yeah, we get excited for the new year, and that's a good thing. That's a good attitude to have. Uh, this is the reason why about 40% of Americans make a New Year's resolution. Curious, is it about 40% of our crowd who has a New Year's resolution? Cool. All right. Handful of people. It's a good thing to hold on to that. We, we want vision for what God has ahead of us. Uh, so we get excited and we look ahead. But in spite of all this excitement, uh, transitions may fail to deliver on their full potential. And the people of Israel experienced that themselves. And the funny thing about these people who are standing there about to cross over and inherit and transition, they were not the first generation of Israelites to have that opportunity. These people were born in the wilderness as the people wandered, but their parents were the people that God actually set free from slavery in Egypt. They were the ones who saw God move in incredible ways. They were there when God turned the Nile River into blood, when hail came down from heaven and all the plagues happened, and then Pharaoh let them go and they walked. You guys have seen the Prince of Egypt, right? Ten Commandments. You, you, you read the Bible. You know what happened. So they go in obedience to God and God sets them free. They're standing on the edge of the Red Sea and they don't know what to do because the armies of Pharaoh are behind them and when their backs are against the ocean, the, the sea, and the Pharaoh's armies chasing them, God splits the Red Sea. And this generation of people who God saved from slavery, they walk through on dry land with the sea rising up on either side of them like walls. This generation should have inherited the promised land of God, but something kept them from crossing over. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, 
Uh, these are verses 34 and 39 to give us an idea. The Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers. So if you're familiar with the story of the Israelites on their journey from Exodus all the way through this point in Deuteronomy, then you know it's a roller coaster. And these people, this first generation, they saw God do absolutely incredible things. They saw the plagues and the sea, and in spite of that, in spite of the fact that they went further into the wilderness and they saw the presence of God descending on a mountain, God speaking to them like thunder out of a cloud, in spite of all these incredible things, they rebelled against God anyway. And instead of entering the promised land on a journey that should have only taken 11 days, they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. And God wasn't just doing that to be mean to them. God actually gave them a lot of grace. The act of taking them out of slavery in Egypt was an act of grace. Grace referring to the unmerited favor of God. They didn't do anything to earn that freedom. God saved them. God rescued them. So God's giving them grace and giving them chances and opportunities, and they keep rejecting God anyway. And yet they're still people. So when they find out that God isn't allowing them to enter into the promised land, I'm positive that there was a lot of disappointment. And when we find out that our transitions, our opportunities, that they're not everything that we thought they would be, we get disappointed too. For example... Only about 9 to 12% of the people who make New Year's resolutions actually accomplish that goal. Now, I believe in everybody here who made a New Year's resolution. The fact that you're here, God is with you, he's going to empower you, you are going to meet that in the name of Jesus, as long as you do your part. But everybody else, they're not part of that 9 to 12%, so 90% of the people who have a New Year's resolution, who think they see the opportunity in the new year, they don't experience the full potential of that transition. They end up disappointed. And that's true with our other transitions too. When we look ahead at the new job, the new school that we're entering, we see all the opportunity and possibility, and we enter into it, we find out after a while, hey, this isn't exactly all that I thought it would be. This is a little more difficult than I thought. It's a little more frustrating than I thought. This is true of many of our new seasons and our new opportunities. And when we find out that these transitions didn't deliver on everything we thought, on their full potential, we get disappointed, we get discouraged, just like the Israelites did. And when we're disappointed and discouraged, we start to back off and we start to lose hope. Before you know it, we find ourselves in the exact same position as that first generation of Israelites who failed to enter into all the promise and blessing that God had for them. God doesn't want us to end up in that place. He wants our transitions to be successful. He wants us to walk in a place of blessing and goodness and hope. And in order to do that, God wants us to prepare for these new seasons and opportunities properly. And Moses gives us a hint of how to do that as he starts to conclude his first sermon. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, when he says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's 
children. So here in the book of Deuteronomy, one thing that's going to happen is that the covenant between God and the people of God, which was Israel at the time, it gets renewed. And in order for the covenant, the agreement between them to be renewed, the terms of the covenant have to be repeated. And the terms of that covenant was the law. It was the law of Moses, the Torah. So Moses, in the second sermon, is going to spend a lot of time repeating the majority of the laws set forth in the other four books of the Torah, Leviticus, Numbers, got to read through all that stuff again about the turtle doves and the goats and the lions and the, oh my, just all of it. But before he gets to that point, he frames it and he says something really important. And what he says gives spirit and context to everything that the law has to say after it. And this becomes a theme that repeats throughout the entire book. And this is because God is concerned about more than them crossing over a border. Following the rules and the transition itself, it's easy. God wants them to go further than the transition. There's a deeper work that God wants to accomplish because God cares about the condition of our souls. God cares about the condition of our hearts. And from God's perspective, changing the date on the calendar, (laughs) changing the date when we write it down, which, does anybody else struggle to do that? I promise you, throughout all of January, I'm going to be writing 2022 on everything that I sign and date. And I'm going to have to throw away my checks and wipe things out and write it again. Because my mindset has to change. So we have to change the date and change our job title at times. But God is more concerned about changing something else. Pause for dramatic effect. And a water break. What God is really concerned about. My arms are so short. What God is concerned about is changing us. God wants to change us. Before he changes our situation, before he changes the circumstance, what God really wants to change is our hearts, who we are. For that reason, we prepare for transition through transformation. That's how we cross over. That's what needs to happen before and as and after we change our seasons. God wants to change us. The first generation of Israelites failed to transition well because they failed to transform. They carried all their spiritual baggage with them out of Egypt, and they did not put it down. And God gave them plenty of opportunities to do so. In one moment, they were approaching the promised land, and Moses at God's leading, decided to send out spies into the land of Canaan. So Moses sends out one man, a leader from each tribe, to represent the people. And they go and see all the great things that God has in store for them. But when they come back, 10 out of the 12 people come back with a bad attitude and a bad spirit. And they see, yes, there are great possibilities, but there are also great obstacles. There are giants in the land. Don't you see? They're big. There are big cities with big armies. We can't do it. (laughs) These people forgot that their God was even bigger. Their God was even greater. And yet, because of their bad report, the vast majority of Israelites went along in fear with them. And that's when God decided that they would not enter the promised land. With the exception of the very few, like Caleb and Joshua, who continued to have faith in God, the Israelites failed to transform. 
So as we read the book of Deuteronomy now and Moses speaks to this new generation, we glimpse the different things that God wants them to do in order to participate in their own transformation. And the heavy lifting is still God. God is still doing the majority of the work. He split the Red Sea. He's about to split the Jordan River. He's going to bring down the walls of Jericho. He'll make the sun stand still. But the Israelites still had a part to play. They still needed to participate. And if we want to participate as as God transforms us, then here's what we can do according to the book of Deuteronomy. First, we can reflect on what God has done. Now, um, a lot of you know that Every Nation Church Las Vegas was sent out and is supported by a mother church called Pearlside Church. Um, Got family today. But the founding pastor of Pearlside Church is Pastor Norman Nakanishi. And I remembered a breakfast that I had with him once. We were hanging out at McDonald's. I got, it was probably McGriddle and a hash brown, something I felt really guilty about later. He sat there with an oatmeal, and he leaned across the table, and he said, Matt, do you know what your generation doesn't do? And I thought, oh boy, here it comes. I've got to get lectured. And he said, your generation doesn't reflect. Reflection is absolutely vital. The main point of Moses' first sermon in the book of Deuteronomy is to get the people of Israel to reflect. Here's what he said in Deuteronomy 4. Has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation? By trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. For the Israelites, that was the greatest act of salvation that they could reflect on and think back to. And when they reflected on it and thought back to it, it informed everything else they were doing. And as Christians, we can look back to that and we can think back to what God did in Egypt, but we have an even greater act of salvation to look back on. So let's look back at it real quickly. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We can reflect on the gospel of Jesus Christ and how God saved us and how God saved me and how God saved you. Because when Jesus came to earth, he lived in complete victory over sin his entire life. I can't even live in complete victory over sin for a week or a day. I want to think I can last an hour. That's through years of following Jesus. But Jesus lived in victory over sin, and he did it just so he could become the sacrifice for our sin, so he could take our place and just carry the penalty for the sin and carry the sin itself that he hates. He loved us so much that he took on the thing he hates. And after taking that on, he gives us his righteousness instead. Now, I'm sure a lot of us celebrated Christmas, right? We gave Christmas gifts away. Who did you give gifts to? People you love. But in this moment, God gave a gift to people he loved who treated him poorly. Can you imagine giving a gift to someone who was rude to you the entire year? Someone who was petty to you at work? Someone who spread rumors about you. Someone who's mean to your kids or your pets. K 
kicks your dog. I'm not giving gifts to those people. But when Jesus went to the cross, he gave a gift to us. God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved his enemies. That's how he loved us. And when I reflect on the gospel of Jesus Christ, I remember how much God loves me and it inspires me to love him back the same way, as best as I can. And when I reflect on the gospel of Jesus Christ, it teaches me how to love others, which is the second commandment. So we reflect on the gospel, but we can also reflect on other things. We can reflect on the things that are happening in our lives. Most of you know that I got into a major car accident in the summertime. Well, that was not my fault. The other guy ran the red light. But when I reflected on it, I decided to wait two or three seconds at the light. Because I reflected on something that happened in my life. We can, reflect it on what, we can reflect on what God is doing. We can reflect on what God is teaching us. And this reflection is so vital because when we reflect, we can change as necessary. We can react appropriately. When we see our reflections in the mirror, we make a change, right? Hopefully, for men, we can say, okay, it's, it's time to shave. I missed the spot. I mean, like, I have to look at the space between my eyebrows. I missed the spot. I actually didn't check that. Good thing it's dark outside. And when we reflect on our lives, we can make changes. Man. I need to ask God to give me more of his patience. I need to love people the way God loves me. I didn't use my time that well. I can use it to honor God a little bit better. When we reflect, we can react appropriately. So that's one thing we can do. Second thing we can do to participate in our transformation is to listen to God and respond with obedience. So the next two verses might actually be the most famous words in all of Deuteronomy. This is from Moses' second sermon. But they are so important that this actually became a daily prayer in Judaism. Pastor Roland, I actually think when you travel to Israel, you saw people do this. Um, they are so important that Jesus quotes this in the New Testament. And I think you might recognize it when I start to quote it, but let's do the first half first. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Yisrael. Uh, this is the Shema. The word hear in Hebrew is Shema. But it doesn't just mean to hear and let sounds reverberate and move around and bounce off your eardrums. Because we hear things all the time. And we do nothing about it. When I hear a commercial on TV, I'm not listening. My family has taken on to laughing at me because I notice commercials like a year after they first come out. There was a commercial on Christmas with, like, puppy. <coughs> Excuse me. There was a commercial on Christmas with, like, a puppy and a truck. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And Jerrica said, that came out three years ago. So we can hear things without doing a, a single thing. That's not what Shema means. Shema means to listen and respond. To hear God and to obey him. So when we look and read the word of God, and God speaks to us through his word, we obey him. When we pray and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us, when we feel the Spirit leading us, we, we listen to him and we respond the right way. We obey God in regards to what he's telling us to do. Now, obeying God is simple, but it's not always easy, and that's why we want support. And we can find that support with God's people. 
No one is meant to follow God alone. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have friends who are Christians. We find support. We talk to people and we process them. And after God speaks to us through them, we hear God and obey him. That's what it means to hear God. That's what it means to listen to him. Listen and obey. Now the last part of that phrase is loaded too and we don't have time to unpack it. But it says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One way that can be translated is the Lord is God alone. And that's important for the Israelites because they're about to enter Canaan. And in Canaan, there's a multitude of, quote-unquote, gods, lowercase g. So they are now going to be introduced to Baal and Asherah and Kamash of the Moabites. And Moses is telling the people, hey, worship God, our God, the Lord, Yahweh, alone. Just him. Just him. Now, in our society, nobody really worships kamash. Sounds more like kebabu. That sounds delicious. Kebab. But we do get tempted by worshiping little gods, things that give us power, control, comfort, approval. And that list of things that can give us those emotions and those feelings, that that list is endless. And not everything on that list is inherently bad. We can use money to get that. We can use promotion and position to get that, achievement, relationships. Substance can give us comfort. When we start to live for those things ahead of living for God, when those things become our ultimate motivation and priority, that's not just motivation, that's worship. Whatever your first priority is, is what you are worshiping. And when something goes ahead of God on that list, we start to turn it into a little God. The Lord our God is God alone. Worship God alone. So that's what the first part of this here says, to listen to God and obey him as the sole source of authority and truth and meaning in your life. But when we listen to God and we obey him, we're not meant to do it out of a place of obligation. It's not meant to feel mechanical because the last thing we can do as God transforms us and we participate is to love God with our whole being. So we read the first half of the Shema. Let's read the next half. Deuteronomy 6.5. This is the popular part. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Love God. We love God because he first loved us. We touched on this in the section about reflection. And we grow into loving God with our all more and more and more. Now, when we read this passage, sometimes we emphasize the things that is listed here. And what does it mean to love God with my heart? Do I love God with that thing? How am I loving God with my soul? What's the difference? Am I loving God with my might? What about my will when you read the New Testament? What about my, my, my mind and my strength? All of these things are listed as examples to make sure we don't love, leave anything out. But really, the emphasis on this passage is on the word all. Love the Lord your God with all. With all, your all in all, with everything you have. Love God with that. I love this quote from Pastor David Guzik. He's also a Bible commentator, and he writes, What God most wants from us is our love. We often think God demands a hundred other things from us. Our money, our time, our effort, our will, our submission, and so forth. But what God really wants is our love. When we really love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind, 
then everything else is freely given to the Lord. If we give the Lord all the rest, money, time, effort, will, and so forth, without giving him our love, it is all wasted, and perhaps all is lost. But when we strive to love God with our all, eventually all things will follow. And loving God and listening to God are meant to form this beautiful cycle because our love for God motivates us and inspires us to listen to God. And we obey God in different areas of our life. And as we listen to God practically, we act on our faith and it causes us to grow in love for God again. And the cycle repeats itself over and over and over. And it's in the middle of this cycle that we are transformed. That's how we're changed. And a transformed heart chooses life. A transformed heart chooses life. Now we read briefly from Moses' first and second sermon. Now let's read from the last one. The conclusion really, of Moses' third sermon. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. And I'll stand up because we're almost done. It says this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. Choosing life is defined by everything that came in the book of Deuteronomy before this. It's choosing to reflect on God and what he's doing and what he's teaching us. It's listening to God and obeying him. It's loving God and being motivated in our love for God through everything we do. Now these things are not natural and they might not always be easy, but they are worth it. It's a little bit like going on a hike or climbing toward a goal because when you're on a hike, you're moving uphill and it might be steep and it might be early and it might be cold and slippery, but you keep taking the next step even if that's not a comfortable step. And as you walk up that hill, the view gets a little bit better. It gets a little clearer. You get a little closer to the goal when you finally reach the top, you reach that destination, you can see all around you, and it's worth it. The fact that you reach the destination through the difficulty is worth it. And that's what following God can feel like. And that's what a successful transition, when we allow God to transform us along the way, that's what it can look like. So if we want to transition successfully, then we need to participate as God transforms us. How are you going to participate as God transforms you starting today and into and through 2023? Maybe for some of you, it's practicing that discipline of reflection and thinking about what God is doing in your life or what God is calling you to do or what he's teaching you. For some of you, it's listening to God, putting him first and obeying him. And for some of us, we've got those things together, but we just need to remember to love God first. With all the things we do in obedience to God, let love be the motive. And as we do these things, we choose life. And as we choose life in God more and more, we experience life in God more and more. So who's ready to choose life with me in 2023? Choose life.
That's what we do before we cross over. Can we choose life in this moment? Why don't we stand and pray? Join me as we seal this time in the word and prayer. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you've brought us to this moment at the end of 2022, about to cross over into 2023. Lord, you didn't need to bring us this far. I know from first-hand experience, you didn't need to bring, bring me to this point. So God, at this moment, we look back in what you've done with gratitude. And I pray, Lord, that before we cross over, you would help us to see by your Holy Spirit what you want us to do to participate as you transform us. Lord, I pray that you would show us what you're getting at in our lives and our hearts. Help us to find that space with you, to walk with you as you participate in our own transformation. And as we do that faithfully, Lord, I pray that you would also help us to look ahead, to look up and see the things you're calling us to in the next year. God, I pray in this moment that you would give us vision. Lord, I pray in this moment that you would give us favor. Even as you opened up the Jordan River ahead of your people, I pray that you would cause us to walk in steps of favor, steps of blessing, cause us to be anointed and to make a difference in people's lives. Help us, God, to walk with you and make a difference, to make disciples, to make a difference in this world. Lord, help us to walk with you. Help us to move. Lord, I pray for a level of favor that we haven't experienced before. I pray for a new wind. I pray for a fresh anointing. I pray that you would move and show up and guide us, God. Cause walls to fall down. Cause victories to come. We thank you for what you have ahead. And we look forward to participating with you as we cross over. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.